was at a pastor's meeting this week. Uh, first time, uh, it was a group of pastors in the area, and we have, um, we were, we were um, summoned, if you will, by a, a prayer warrior and uh, her desire to see this community um, know Christ. And so these pastors got together, and some had 30 years of experience. I guess I was sort of in the, in the middle there with uh, 16 years of uh, ministry experience as a pastor. And, but we got together, we prayed uh, together, um, which was an amazing time. We shared our stories of how we became followers of Christ, and we had to do it in two minutes or less. Believe it or not, pastors can talk for two minutes and shut up. I mean, it's possible. We can do it. Not today, but you know, we can do it. Um, but uh, it, it was just a wonderful time. I just want you to know that um, there, are, there are churches working together, pastors working together, to do what we can to see this whole community come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and to be a blessing to families. And um, it's just, though, I'm, I'm excited to see what God is going to do. One of the pastors shared a fun, funny story. I think it kind of sets up today's message nicely. He was driving home with his wife after a very difficult day, and he was kind of stewing over a failure that he had experienced that day, and he was getting kind of mad in the car ride home and just kind of, you know, banging his fist uh, on the door, and and his his loving, supportive wife, uh, all pastor's wives are loving and supportive, and um, she just said, you know, honey, you know, trying to see the brighter side of this failure that he experienced, she said to him, hang in there, honey. Now that you're a loser, think about all the people you're going to be able to help. <laughs> and uh, if only we had a lot more supportive pastor's wives to call us losers. <laughs> the truth is, though, that uh, we all fail at one time or another, don't we? Failure, it's a fact of life. I mean, we're going to fail. We're, we're, we're going to mess up. I mean, Michael Jordan missed many game-winning shots. Tom Brady throws interceptions. Miguel Cabrera strikes out. But do you remember those people as failures? No. No, you remember them as successful athletes because they overcame their failures. They worked hard. They trained. And... That's really how, as an athlete in sports, with talent and training, you can overcome failure. But what if you're not an elite athlete? What if you're just a regular Joe or Julie, trying to overcome some personal failures that you have in life? You probably don't have personal failures. I probably talked to the wrong crowd today. But I thought about our teenagers and how they might struggle in a class at school or, or to pass a test. Uh, I thought about how they struggle to make a team that they want to be on, or, or if they're on the team to, to get more playing time, or if they're trying to play an instrument of hitting all the right notes and playing that song, or, or maybe it's trying to find a friend that they can trust. Teenagers have a lot of failures that they experience. Or I thought about our adults as uh, they 
are trying to find maybe the right job, or maybe you're trying to find the right career, or maybe you're just trying to make enough money to support your family, or raise kids that will make you proud, or maybe you're looking for a healthy church and you've been to 10 of them. There's a lot of different things that we struggle with that we have to overcome. Or maybe it's real personal, maybe it's anxiety, or fear, or depression, or worry, or guilt, or shame, or sleepless nights, or aches, or pains, or grief, or loss, or broken relationships. The list goes on and on. But we all have these struggles, these things that we fail at. How do we overcome them? How do we overcome these things? The answer is in God's Word. The answer is in the Bible. And I want to take you there this morning so you can see it, because I think there's a lot of us that want to overcome our failures. We want to overcome the things that we're struggling with. So will you pray with me? Father, today we pray with open hands. And we ask that you give us what we need right now. Give us your grace. Show us your love. Make yourself known. May your Holy Spirit speak to us, overwhelm us with your peace. Let us know you more today, God. Let us see your promise for us. I pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. So as you know, the title is Overcoming Failure, and our focus is in John chapter 21. This is the second to last message on the harmony of the Gospels, which we spent a year and a half going through, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And this particular message is uh, one of the appearances that Jesus makes to his disciples, specifically to Peter. In John chapter 21, I want you to see how Jesus, appearing to Peter after he rose from the grave, how he helped Peter overcome failure. Do you know a lot about Peter? Peter is in the New Testament quite a bit. He's got a couple letters that he wrote to Christians, but he's also in the Gospels. And Peter was a a young man when he met Jesus. He was a fisherman for a living with his brother Andrew. He was brash, arrogant, and impulsive. It's doubtful that you would hire Peter as your pastor. He's not that kind of guy. That's not the impression you would get. But Jesus saw his heart, and he called Peter to follow him. Peter left everything. And for three and a half years, Peter, along with 11 other guys, followed Jesus around this area called Galilee, back to Jerusalem, and down into Perea. And they did ministry for three and a half years. And at one point throughout this experience with Jesus, Peter discovered, with God's help, that Jesus was more than a great teacher, more than a miracle worker, more than a prophet. He discovered that he was the Son of God. And that was an amazing revelation that Peter had. But with amazing revelations, as Paul would tell you, there are some... Consequences, perhaps, you could say. And in fact, because Jesus had invested so much into Peter, 
the devil took notice. Satan himself wanted to attack Peter. Jesus explains it. I'll take you there in Luke 22, even though it's not our main text, but I'll just show you in Luke 22, verse 31. Jesus says, Simon, Simon, that was Peter's given name. Behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. That just doesn't sound good there. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail, and when you have turned again, will you strengthen your brothers? Peter said to Jesus, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny three times that you know me. Now, the harmony of the Gospels reveals more of this conversation. In Matthew 26, verse 33, Peter said, Though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. And Jesus said, truly, I tell you this very night, before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. Peter said, even if I must die with you, I'll not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. So Peter thinks at this point, after following Jesus for three and a half years, Peter thinks, I'm all in for Jesus. I'm all in for you. But Jesus knew differently. Jesus knew Peter would fail. And when Jesus is arrested and he's on trial, Peter was watching from afar and he was confronted three times by three different people asking him, you were with Jesus. You, you know Jesus, right? And Peter denied three times. And in fact, the third time is Luke twenty-two sixty. Peter said, man, I do not know what you're talking about. And immediately, while he was saying that, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he said to him, Before the rooster crows today, you'll deny me three times. And he went out and he wept bitterly. I love Luke because of his amazing detail. And he puts this detail in here that that's what happened to Peter. He, he realized his failure, and it caused him to weep bitterly. I think this was Peter's lowest point. I mean, this was big-time failure. Like, I'll never deny you. I'll always follow you. Even if I have to die, I'll follow you, Jesus. And then he denied him three times. A low point. His biggest failure, but not his only failure. If we, if we scan back and look at Peter's life and, his, and the time that he spent with Jesus, he often didn't understand the parables of Jesus, along with the other disciples. He started to walk on water like Jesus, but then he sank. He thought it was a good idea to build three houses for Moses, Elijah, and Jesus on that mountain until God spoke. He rebuked Jesus for saying that he was going to go to Jerusalem and die. He said, Jesus, give me a bath, but Jesus just wanted to wash his feet. I mean, he kept messing up. Peter was actually pretty good at failing. Can anyone relate to Peter? But that didn't stop him from following Jesus. 
He denies him three times, and yet he still obeys. Because, we know this, when Jesus rose from the grave, I, I said he's appeared to many people at multiple different times. And then during one of those appearances, Jesus said, go to Galilee. Tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and I will meet them there. So they, they had to leave Jerusalem and go to Galilee. Now, Galilee is where they lived. That's where they fished. That was the Sea of Galilee. That's where they grew up. So they went back there, and while they're back there waiting for Jesus, they didn't sit still very well. Anybody like that? Just Peter especially. He just didn't sit still very well. And so here they are in John 21. This is where we'll pick it up. If you have your Bible, it's in John 21. If you want a free Bible, they're in the chairs in front of you. Take it home. It's our gift to you. John 21, verse 2. Simon Peter was with Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, and two other disciples. And they're at the Sea of Galilee, and Simon Peter says to the boys, I'm going fishing. And they said, we'll go with you. And so they went and got out in the boat, but that whole night they caught nothing. Now I want you to know that I always do my research for every sermon. I study for hours. I spend hours and hours preparing for this time on Sunday morning. And I thought it was prudent that I go fishing this week, like Peter. So I did. Twice. And it turns out I'm pretty good at the research. Because unlike those guys, I caught some fish. I had some fun out there. But I've had those days, honestly, where I don't catch anything. And I see other people catching them. I know they're in the lake, but I'm not catching them, and so I feel like a failure. There's been lots of times I feel like a failure. Like Peter and these guys. And just think about it. I mean, these guys are professional fishermen. Like, they've done this their whole life. They learned it from their, you know, their dad, and, and, and this is, this is their, their lively, this was their livelihood. And they go out the whole night, they can't even catch one fish. What a low point. What a low point. Maybe sometimes you feel that way. You know, when you fail, nothing goes right, and everything feels like it's falling apart. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And, and, and it's, just, you just, it's just tough. And so here it is. This is what happens next. They're just down and out. Nothing's good. Waiting for Jesus. Still hasn't shown up yet. Verse 4. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, and the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Now, you might be thinking, well, how did they not know it was Jesus? They spent three and a half years. Well, you're going to find out that they were actually 100 yards away. Okay, 100 yards away. Now, everybody in the back is maybe 30 yards from me right now, and I can't make out your face. I'm getting old. I need glasses, all right, for far away. I can't see your face. That, they're a hundred yards away from Jesus. So you understand, even as young eyes, they probably can't quite make out. They just see a guy out there on shore. And uh, the guy says, children, do you have any fish? And they said, no. And in verse 6, it says, the guy says, Jesus says, cast the net on the right side of the boat 
and you'll find some. So just hold the screen right there. What do you suppose these guys in the boat are thinking to themselves about this guy on the shore telling them to throw their net out on the right side of the boat? Dude, you be quiet. We're the professionals. Who are you? You don't know what you're talking about. That's what I'm thinking they're saying to themselves. But they're fishermen, and they want to catch fish, so they're like, okay, we'll do it. <laughs> At least that's what I would have done. So they throw the net on the right side of the boat. And the rest of verse 6, it says, they cast it, and they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of the fish. And in verse 7, we'll hold on this part right here. The disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. Who is this disciple, and how did he know it was the Lord? Because he can't really see him. Last week, Chris Gentz came and spoke for me, preached. He's a missionary pastor on the campus of Western Michigan University, and he had a great message, if you were here last week, where he gave us all name tags. And he talked about this. One of This is one of those verses where John, the author of the gospel, one of the disciples, one of the sons of Zebedee, one of the disciples, he didn't call himself John when he wrote this letter. He called himself the one whom Jesus loved. Not in an arrogant way, but simply in a way of saying, this is how God sees me. This is how Jesus sees me. He loves me. And this is what he says here, the one whom Jesus loves. Now, how did John know it was Jesus on the shore? Well, what just happened with the net and all the fish was a flashback to when John and his brother and Peter and Andrew, who were fishermen, three and a half years prior, were in their boat. They had the same thing happen to them. They went out all night, didn't catch a thing, and then there was this crowd of people following this guy named Jesus. And Jesus said, hey, let me in your boat. i got to talk to these people. There's too many of them. I can't stand on shore. And he got in the boat and he teaches this lesson. And then he says to the guys, hey, guys, by the way, throw your net out. And they had the same amount. Same thing happened. All these fish, they couldn't catch them. Peter falls on his knees. I'm not worthy. And, and this, this whole thing was, was just came flooding back into John's mind. And he was like, oh, my gosh, it's the Lord. It's Jesus. And then I love what happens next because that's part of the answer to how do you overcome failure? How do we overcome failure? The second part of seven, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for he had been stripped down for work and he threw himself into the sea. By the way, he wasn't naked. Okay, this, don't get the wrong idea. They had different layers on. All right, he put back on a layer to make himself presentable and he jumps in the water. He gets out of the boat and he goes swimming towards Jesus or maybe walking. I don't know how deep the water was, but the other disciples were a little more sensible. I told you, Peter was impulsive. They came in the boat dragging the net of fish. They were not far from land, about 100 yards off. But here's Peter's desire to follow Jesus. He jumps out of the boat. And for 100 yards, he swims, walks, whatever. And if you're going to overcome the failures in your life, you've got to get out of the boat. You've got to get out of your comfort zone. You've got to dive in. And you've got to go for it. That's what Jesus did, or that's what Peter did. And the key here is, and Peter learned this, 
from the last time he tried walking on water. You've got to keep your eyes on Jesus. As soon as you look at the storms, as soon as you look at the waves, you're going to sink. But if you keep your eyes on Jesus, you'll be good. You'll be okay. You'll overcome. And that's what Peter does. It reminded me of this story that I love. The closest that anyone ever came to breaking the four-minute mile forever was in the 1940s, someone ran it in four minutes and one second. And that was really close, but for forever, no one thought it was humanly possible to run the mile under four minutes. For nine years, that record stood at four minutes and one second. Until May 6, 1954, Roger Bannister ran the mile in three minutes and 59 seconds. He overcame many previous failures to do it. But he finally did it. But what's more amazing to me than that is what happened next. Within 40 days, or 46 days later, there was another runner who ran the mile in 3 minutes and 57 seconds. And within five years, 20 more athletes ran the mile under four minutes. Here's why. They saw Roger Bannister could do it. And they believed they could do it. And when you fix your eyes on Jesus, and you see that he can do it, he can help you overcome it, then you can do it. You've got to fix your eyes on the one who can do it. Peter jumped out of the boat, and that was the first step in overcoming failure. He just started going towards Jesus. Then we pick it up in verse 15. They get on shore. Jesus has got some fish there and says, bring some more. I can see you guys are hungry. So they start cooking some fish. After they eat breakfast, verse 15, Jesus says to Simon Peter, interesting conversation. Lots of studies have been done on this conversation. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Notice the word that love their love in the Greek has more than one word. The word agape is different than the word filio, which is how Peter responds. But Jesus says, do you agape love me? Agape is a deep devotion, a fellowship to truly love someone and love everything that they are about. And that's what Jesus is asking. Peter, do you agape love me? And Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Filio, meaning a friendship love. You know, I'm, I'm, I love you. you. You sense the the hesitancy on Peter in his commitment now to Jesus. He failed him before. He's still stinging from that failure. But then Jesus says, "Feed my lambs." He said to him a second time, "Simon, son of John, do you love me? Do you agape love me?" He says to him. Yes, Lord, you know I filial love you. Tend my sheep. Which is actually the word shepherd or to, to take care of. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And it's interesting that Jesus changes the word from agape to filial. 
And Peter was grieved because he asked him a third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Here's the second step in how you overcome failure. You've got to change the conversation in your head. You've got to change the conversation in your head. You see, Peter, 30 days prior to this, roughly, Peter denied Jesus three times. And so for 30 days, he kept replaying that situation. And there's probably no doubt that you, would ima- you can imagine that he just kept in his head thinking, I don't know Jesus. I don't know Jesus. Why would I say I don't know Jesus? I don't know him. Cock-a-doodle-doo. <laughs> he kept hearing it over and over and over again. And honestly, for the rest of his life, he would have heard in his head, I'm a failure. I'm a failure. I failed my Lord. I failed him. But that's not the conversation that he had in his head because of this conversation that Jesus has with him. This is to, to, re, this is to, to, to restore Peter. This is to encourage him, to build him up. I wonder if you have a bad conversation going on in your head these days. You're playing this conversation over and over again. It's called stinking thinking. And how do you change that conversation in your head? Well, it's the same way you do it with spiritual warfare. 2 Corinthians 10.5, Paul tells us that we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God by taking captive every thought and making it obedient to Christ. That's the key. Take captive every thought, every bad conversation that, you have going, that you're playing in your head over and over and over again, and make it obedient to Christ. I know what conversation I'm having, but what does Jesus say? And that's what Peter did. Peter did that. Now he remembers Jesus telling him, feed my lambs, shepherd my sheep, feed and lead. And that's what he needed to hear. He didn't need to hear, I don't know Jesus, I'm a failure. He needed to hear, feed my sheep, shepherd my church, love me, love one another. And if you're going to overcome failure, you've got to change the conversation in your head. I went to, a, uh, to college, after college, <laughs> to get my teaching certificate. It was a year-long program, and there was a girl in the program that desperately wanted to be a teacher. The only problem is when you become a teacher, you have to pass a test in your content area. And she had terrible test anxiety. So bad, she had failed this test seven times. And it was getting to the point at which we were graduating, and if she didn't pass the test, she would not be able to get hired. And the conversation in her head, you can just imagine, was not a good one. But then we went through the student teaching part, and you got to be in the classroom with students, and she realized this was her calling. This is what she loved to do, and it changed the conversation in her head. She just kept encouraging herself through her um, thought process, and on that eighth time, you know, she passed that test, and she's a teacher, and we were so excited. Honestly, I think I was more excited for her than for myself, uh, just to see her overcome that failure. But that's how we do it. We take captive every thought, and we make it obedient to Christ. 
First, get out of the boat. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Second, change the conversation in your head. Listen to Jesus, not the negative, stinking thinking. And lastly, follow Jesus. This is what it says in John 21, 18. Peter, or Jesus says, Peter, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself, walk wherever you wanted to go. But when you're old, you're going to stretch out your hands. Another will dress you and carry you where you don't want to go. What's he saying here? Well, verse 19, he said to show what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying that, he said, follow me. Well, he's telling Peter, you're going to die a martyr. You're not going to die the way you would probably normally people want to die and live a nice, long, old age, have lots of grandkids, all, all that stuff. No, you're going to die a martyr. And in 64 AD, Peter was crucified by Emperor Nero. But he didn't feel worthy to be crucified like Jesus, so he was crucified upside down. He suffered an agonizing death for Jesus. But before that, he followed Jesus every day. And when you read the book of Acts you see he leads the church. He's the one preaching when 3,000 people get saved in one day because of the power of the Holy Spirit. He's the one who gets beaten, but they pray for boldness. If you want to understand what it means to follow Jesus, I I like to say that because the word like uh, the Christian word You ask people in America today, are you a Christian? Three out of four Americans will say, yeah, I'm a Christian. But what does that really mean? So I like to say, are you a follower of Jesus? And even that seems to have some misunderstandings. And so that's why I tell you, you should read the book, Not a Fan. Because when you read the book, Not a Fan, it just so happens that a friend dropped a copy off. But when you read the book, Not a Fan you'll realize it's based on Luke 9.23 and what it means to really be a follower of Jesus. There's lots of fans out there of Christianity, but are you a follower of Jesus? Luke 9.23, it says, Jesus said, if you would follow me, come after me, you should deny yourself, take up your cross daily, and follow me. Think about it. Was there anything that Jesus could not overcome. Was there anything that Jesus could not overcome? I know we have this this thought of, well, Jesus was perfect. You know, he never sinned. That means he never failed. But guess what? There was a time when Satan thought that he won. And that time was when Jesus was crucified. And he was dead. And he thought it was over. And Satan thought he won. And then Jesus, three days later, rises from the grave and defeats death permanently. He overcomes death. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the core of the gospel. And that's the promise that we have that we will overcome death. Death has lost its sting. Because of the resurrection. There's nothing Jesus can't overcome. That very first prophecy in Genesis 3.15. 
Jesus fulfilled it by rising from the dead. So the best way to overcome failure is always just to follow the person who can do it, who you know can do it, and that's Jesus. So you get out of the boat, you fix your eyes on Jesus, he's the author and the perfecter of your faith, you change the conversation by renewing your mind, Romans 12, 2, with his words, and that builds you up, transforms you, and you never stop following him. You keep growing, as Peter said in his letter, in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our music team is going to come up and play a song. And I encourage you to use this time to pray. Pray to God right now and tell Him, ask Him for help. You need help overcoming something? Some kind of failure popped into your mind, something that you've been wanting to overcome and you're not? You're not quite there, or maybe you're on the, on the path of that. Ask God. This is your time. Pray to God. Ask Him. You came all the way here. Use this time to pray and ask God to help you overcome. And then make the promise to get out of the boat and, and renew your mind with the Word. Listen to Jesus. Let's face it, there's a lot of voices that you could be listening to. There's a lot of junk out there on social media. But listen to the one who knows how to overcome. Amen? Let's pray. Father, help us today overcome. Help us to see that you help Peter and you'll help us. Give us the strength, Lord, to keep going trust in you. Father, I pray for those that need to get out of the boat, get out of their comfort zone, and keep moving towards you. I pray, Father, for those that have been trying, they've been working hard at it. It's a daily battle. I pray that you would encourage them to keep renewing their mind and keep in the word and keep surrounding themselves with other believers, others that will strengthen them and build them up. And I pray, Father, for this church to be filled with followers of Jesus, not fans, but true, genuine followers. Thank you, Lord, for such a time as this. In Jesus' name, amen.